of these corporate newsletters have I signed up for? Oh, yeah, great check-in to be like, oh, fuck. Sure, Montanas, tell me what you're doing about COVID. (laughs) Fuck. COVID. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well. Well, on that note. On that note, here here we go. Fuck. I don't get it. everybody hello welcome to i don't get it a podcast about performances in edmonton <laughs> or lack thereof sure. i'm fonda i'm paul and uh, we're proud to be part of the alberta podcast network powered, powered by, by atv, ATV. Um, um how how are things paul well they're they're quite a thing um i i feel like we should note that we recorded this episode mm-hmm. um with our review of the children which we'll get to uh, but then, um, in the over the course of a week, uh, COVID nineteen really, really upped its impact on on the world around us, um, and a lot of things started getting canceled, um, or um, a lot of recommendations started coming out about mm-hmm. like what people should and shouldn't do in the wake of this pandemic. Um, and so, major events, big events, are all canceled now. Things over two hundred and fifty people. Yeah, and every even at, uh, below that, under that, a lot is still up in the air or being mm-hmm. affected or changed or reduced numbers of tickets being sold so that to maximize the amount of space that can be between people. It's a lot, Fonda. Yeah, it's a lot. And it's and it's um, it's going it's starting to and also will be um, a massive impact for the arts and culture community, mm-hmm. um, not just the organizations, but individuals who are essentially freelancing um, on contract. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's right. it's going to be a real tough time. So, um, well, how about we how about we go to what actually is happening sure. uh, for, for now? The children. Right. <laughs> As as at time of recording, is still running at uh, the Roxy on Gateway, um, and we we did get to see it before all the massive shutdowns and everything. So maybe maybe we'll just throw to our our chat about that now. Great. Uh, what's going on, Fonda? Um, there is a global pandemic. Uh, things yes. are things are bad. <laughs> yeah, it's a real it's a real time and the show we just saw mm-hmm. um, is about to do uh, its own sort of uh, bleak uh, sort of apocalyptic vibe. Um, yeah. Yeah, we saw um, Lucy Kirkwood's The Children presented by Wildside Productions at uh, at the Roxy on Gateway, which is part of Theater Network's presentation season or performance series. So, um, yeah, we'll set us up a little bit, Paul. What what ha- what is The Children about? What happens in the sh- in the show? It's about the children, um, <laughs> in a way. Uh, so it's set in a small cottage on the east coast of England, and it's a three hander, no intermission, um, like a one room, real time. Uh, uh, drama uh, about these three three people. They're all um, older, uh, and they are uh, they have a history. Sort of two of them live in this cabin together, uh, Hazel and Robin, uh, and then Rose shows up. Rose is someone they haven't seen for about forty years, um, and there is obviously from the get go quite a bit of tension with that. Um, Robin is out, uh, so for a while it's two, and there's you know various times when it's just two of them uh, in some combination where we find out more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but this is all set in the backdrop, and you pick up pretty quick that it's uh, a not too distant future, 
and there's been this uh, meltdown. They're living near a, an exclusion zone where something has gone wrong at this power plant. Um, and, uh, you know, and they're all, there's that, that low-grade fear mm-hmm. sort of just in the background about all of that. Yeah, what was, I felt what was really brilliant, it's just the two female characters um, in the beginning, in about the first, like, 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of the show, and they're having this conversation uh, coming together after not seeing each other for a very long time, and they just build this marvelous, subtle tension um, between them, and also you wonder sort of what the whole history is, what has happened, but also because they are hiding from this sort of like eco hazard thing that has happened outside. Yeah, you're putting together both the sense of the world that they they occupy, but also like their history, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, which is tense. But one thing I, I found really interesting in the script, in Lucy Kirkwood's script, is um, it is about these people in this situation, um, but it uh, it what am I trying to say? Uh, it um, it never loses that backdrop. I guess it's never divorces itself from the world it's in. It sort of like looks at this, um, the consequences, and these people are really like, oh, no spoilers. Um, looking at sort of consequences of of their life, and in a more allegorical way, like uh, that generation. It's sort of like an older generation looking back and wondering what their responsibilities are at that age to try and fix things that they've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're these three people in their 60s who are talking about, you know, um, and it is revealed uh, th- throughout the play who they are and maybe a role they feel that they have kind of played in what has happened mm-hmm. to, uh, in this disaster. So um, what I felt was also really interesting was the it's a it's a one room show so it's all in this one room of the of um hazel and robin's cabin mm-hmm. and uh i i've never i i don't think that i've seen um like sort of a proscenium window stage built uh in this space before and it really lent to that sort of um that kind of like impending a little bit of like a trapped feeling um, where, you know, like maybe we're all going to have to live in isolation for 14 days. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yeah, The sense of like uh, isolate or like a, like, um, like a stand against the world. It's like, I put up these walls. I'm staying in my safe room. I'm, I'm ignoring as much as possible what's outside or like minimizing it. Uh, Yeah. The, the design was also by the director, uh, Jim Guido. Um, and this is his, his company, Wildside Productions. Uh, and yeah, the cast were, were great. Ruth Alexander as Rose, who's the one who's shown up mm-hmm. um, uh, after after decades, is um, is a great uh, great performance. And then uh, Coralie Cairns and David McNally uh, as as Hazel and Robin, respectively. Both like it it all it was sort of these three perspectives on on some of these bigger bigger questions on and also on their their sort of personal histories with each other and like. Uh, in the same way, it's like, oh, we've built this thing here. Um, uh, it feels bringing the past back into it feels like it's starting to destabilize that maybe, but also this bigger thing is going on. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with both our personal situation and also this uh, this broader uh, broader world situation? And uh, should I do the thing or not? Yeah. Yeah, I thought the setup of the three-hander was really effective. You you find out who Rose was sort of in their past, and um, a lot of things get happened. There is a dance break at one point in oh, the yeah. show, even which is which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we to com- contrast this a little bit with um, 
with Girl in the Machine, which we saw last week, sure. because that's sort of a different kind of, um, you know, the end is nigh sort of show. Mm-hmm. Um, how, did, how did you feel that this one really um, maybe um, compared to actually with, well, you know, I don't know, the news of today <laughs> and what's happening? Sure. Like the fact that Corvid is, is you know, doing more and more as, as uh, has been warned. Everybody wash your hands. Um, uh, Stop touching your face, Fonda. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I think it's like <clears throat> it's a show about um, consequences and, and uh, trying to live up to or, or reconcile um, one's responsibility with those consequences um, in, in this show. In uh, Girl in the Machine, it felt very like um, Black Mirror in that like, oh, we've built something. Look what it's doing to us. This is we've done something what should we do about it, mm-hmm. I guess, was is how I would sort of separate them in, in my mind. And I think um, uh, Jim Guido does a great job sort of building, playing with the tension. It never sort of blows up to a point that you're like, ah, yes, the old cabin drama. We've made it. Everyone's <laughs> mad. Um, Everyone's drinking parsnip wine and they're drunk and it all goes to hell. Right. And it does, but it does so in a way, again, it's sort of set in this backdrop of these consequences. And it you wonder how much is these people, this is just what they do to um, survive right now. Mm. Um, how they handle that is, you know, they... Uh, they they minimize things and they um, they make parsnip wine and get drunk on it probably nightly and you know these they tell each other small lies to sort of keep the peace or like uh, make you think it's not so bad in different ways um, but uh, as that destabilizes um, they're sort of left with the truth of each other and that's at times seems unbearable for them mm-hmm. um, uh, or on the bridge of being unbearable because they actually have to look at and think about these consequences there's a line sort of uh, near the end um, uh, that comes up with like I don't know how to want less mm-hmm. um, that was very mm-hmm. potent um, and in thinking about all these things and our consequences and you're right we sort of like are taught to want more and build more and, and, and get more and it's always it's always on a growth um, but that's inherently unsustainable in any sort of field or world um, and so it's like being at the at the at the curve, the part where the roller coaster dips down. It's mm-hmm. that feeling of like, fuck. Yeah. Uh, now, now, right, we went up for so far. Now we have to either try and find a way to s- stop or adjust that curve, um, or, or or find our way to fortify ourselves against the consequences. Yeah, and and I don't I don't know if there's any going back to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, but so uh, a piece that speaks to the times um, in a uh, in a quite a potent way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, when I what I really liked too was just seeing seeing a mature cast uh, on the stage. I think that you know um, we don't often get to see these sorts of shows on main stages in Edmonton with where it's like you know. Just a very strong 300. You said while we were sort of um, exiting the show that it's kind of like really a little bit Virginia Woolfish, mm-hmm. sort of like the the model of that great American play where yeah. you know, yeah. It's sort of like these deep digging into these big meaty themes, but it's like the big meaty themes of now, mm-hmm. and it's uh, I don't think it's a perspective I've seen before, at least not like so fully explored, sort of from these three different perspectives and how they entangle and looking at what. Um, we're doing and what we've done with climate and 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 how we how we think about that and what we're obligated to do in the wake of that 
um, yeah, I think, um, and yeah, I think it's like, yeah, as you said, and two of these uh, faces we haven't seen that much before. Like Ruth Alexander um, is a relatively new Edmontonian, mm-hmm. it seems, um, according to the bio, but um, she was in Once, uh, The Citadel, and The Christmas Carol as well. And David McNally seems like he has quite a few credits, but it's sort of um, a lot of film and television and sort of seems like he's been uh, away from the stage for, for a bit. Um, at least locally, um, and so it's uh, and they were both sort of wonderful to see those faces as well. Faces, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't normally see or haven't seen much before. Yeah, and Carly Carly Cairns as Hazel also. I think all three tr- performances were terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, She's it was kind of the anchor in the way, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, she seems like she seems like sort of the sane one comparatively i guess i don't maybe no sane is probably not the right word to use i'll take that back sure um but yeah yeah she's definitely an anchoring force she's um you know the one who rose looks up to um and the one who basically probably keeps robin alive (laughs) yeah yeah. um yeah and like seeing yeah her struggles with in that role and then also again sort of in the backdrop of of these things Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, she's, she's the emotional labor. It's Hazel. It's yeah. all Hazel. <laughs> oh, yeah. In a major way. And they're kids, too. There's a thing. Uh, it's called The Children. The first line of the play is, how are the children? Mm-hmm. Um, even though we never meet them, but we find out quite a bit about them. But you also think of, like, um, the broader, the royal, the children mm-hmm. of this. Of, and again, like, what what uh, what what are the things that our grandchildren will rue us for? You know? Yeah. It's like, uh, I think it's like, looking at an older generation's version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, when I think of the title of the play, now having seen it, I kind of wonder, yeah, because there's there's this sort of sentiment of, of like, um, blaming the older generation for the environmental mess that we're in now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what, what do we, what is left for the children? Um, and what are we as, you know, I guess those children doing? Like their oldest, um, Robin and Hazel's oldest daughter is 38 years old. Um, and they keep kind of like checking in on Lauren and, and Lauren's got issues mm-hmm. and stuff. Vaguely uh, defined, but just enough. You sort of get the sense of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the, yeah, so their, their children are, are adults, like older adults, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did this show make you think of your parents? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, there were certainly <laughs> some elements of it. Um, absolutely. Like, my dad worked in oil and gas, and mm-hmm. um, and there are definitely, like, elements of my mom, <laughs> I think, in, in Hazel. Um, not all of them, but it was, like... Uh, and, like, the performances all felt very resonant in that way. They felt very, like, lived in and, and earned and mm-hmm. human. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely human, too. For sure. All right. Well, um, well. so that was The Children mm-hmm. uh, running at Theater Network. We will note that we saw it in preview. Yes. Um, so, you know, there could be some things that we either totally missed or, or could be happening again. Or mm-hmm. I don't We'll We'll see about all that. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's running at the Roxy on Gateway. Uh, until March twenty second, cool. so so check it out. Um, and with that, Paul, I think I think we should do an ad. Cool. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by The Loop, a new podcast from CBC Edmonton. Let's hear what it's all about. Hey, I'm Tara McCarthy. I work at CBC Edmonton, and there's a lot of things that happen in this city any given week. So we thought, how about we boil it down to some of those top stories, the ones that make you think. Or the ones that maybe even make you laugh. Maybe they make you cringe. So we're putting together a new podcast called The Loop. Check it out weekly through CBC Edmonton. Uh, the Loop, you might be wondering, okay, what's this all about? Well, it is literally about 
keeping you in the loop. More importantly, it's all about going behind the scenes. All sorts of details, I see it every day in the newsroom, don't actually make it into those compact radio and television pieces that you see and that you hear. So we thought we'll take stories like these and we're going to find out more. We're going to talk to the reporters about some of the things like how they even found out about this stuff. We'll talk a little bit about everything, politics, we'll throw some arts in there, community of course. It's about all things Edmonton because there's always more to tell. There's always more to the story. I've been in Edmonton for about a year and I see stories just constantly change. They ebb and flow. I'm learning new things about the city all the time. And maybe you've been here for decades, but there's always new things that we can uncover. So we want to talk about those stories right here on The Loop. Stay in The Loop with us, our new weekly CBC Edmonton podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts or more importantly through your CBC Listen app. I feel like I have something in my tooth. Thank God it's a podcast. (laughs) What a thing. Again, find The Loop on the CBC Listen app or whatever you listen to your podcasts on. Uh, You can also find it online at cbc.ca slash Edmonton. All this shut down. Good time to listen to podcasts. Oh, yeah. Fonda, (laughs) what are some of your favorite podcasts? Um, I really like, I really like a podcast called Aria Code. Um, I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but it is about, um, it is about opera arias. In each episode, they unpack uh, one aria um, with with guests. There's interviews and everything like that. Um, yeah, and it's it's extremely well produced. Pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I I definitely like that one. And also the Dolly the Dolly Parton podcast. Yes. Um, Dolly Parton's America. Dolly Parton's America um, by Jada Boomerad of Radiolab fame. That was one of my favorites of last season. Um, and of course, you must remember this. I always, like, everyone loves you, must remember this. Uh, Great. Uh, I have two I want to throw out there. Uh, One is uh, Settling the Score. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a conversation between two composers who live in L.A. One of them was nominated for an Emmy, I think. Uh, And they're going through the 100 best film scores on, like, the American Film Institute's list of best film scores and talking about them and talking about how they serve that movie or don't. And they usually do, like, uh, episodes that deviate from that list as well. Around Oscar season, they'll look at the best picture scores and break those down. Yeah, yeah. Super cool. And it's like... If you're going to be inside watching movies, why not also, uh, you know, take a break and think about the scores on those? Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is a Rude Tales of Magic. It's, oh. uh, it's a D&D podcast <laughs> um, by a bunch of comedians in New York, I believe. Um, the dungeon master is Brandon Reese, who's a cartoonist. Um, you've probably seen his, his stuff shared around Facebook, even mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with his name. Very funny. Very... Um, uh, rise. So even if you don't have experience with uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, as a game, it's a pretty funny listen. Cool. Check it out. That's a cool one. Um, also, I heard that um, Glass Bookshop is doing a, um, a home delivery service yeah. now. Uh, it's a great time to catch up on your reading, yeah. Paul. What have, have you been reading anything cool lately? Oh my god, yeah. Um, let's see. Let me. Did you finish Duck's Newberry Point? I did not. Uh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I started it at the busiest time, and mm. that was a bad choice. Um, for those who are listening, Duck's Newburyport is a 900-page um, stream of consciousness novel. Um, Most by, of it is one sentence. Yeah, by Lucy Elman. Um, it is. I loved that book, and of course, great book for a pandemic. Nice and hefty. It'll you know, it'll take you a while. So <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I am midway through the Garneau block because mm-hmm. I was reading it before we were to see it. Right. Uh, but the Citadel has currently been postponed. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. Things I uh, I've read uh, lately that have been great. Um, 
salt, fat, acid, heat. Yes, oh, it's a Netflix yeah. show, but read the book. There's recipes in it. You're going to be home. Cook you, some things. Yeah, cook some things. This is all. This is a great time for that. Yeah, uh, Salmon Nasrat, the author, is such a, a wonderful character, I think, and her, her voice really comes through in her writing as well. And she makes it all seem very approachable and common sense mm-hmm. in a way that cooking guides um, don't always. Sometimes I find myself staring at them blankly, um, but this was always like I was always on the same page as her. Yeah. Um, Cool. Yeah, I'm also a big fan of uh, Haruki Murakami. Mm. Sort of like the popcorn read for, like, nerds, um, I feel like. But, you know, you could read uh, 1Q84. It's his uh, 1,000-page opus. Um, <laughs> or if that sounds uh, freakish and daunting, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle is a, is a solid entry point that shows his, like, magical realism and his weirdness cool. um, in a really fun way. Yeah, Murakami's always, like, mm. a great, great um, sit-down-and-read. Yeah, what else mm-hmm. I got? Well, how about, um, let's go and do our other ad. Sure. And then, how about we talk about the impacts of COVID-19? Sure. <laughs> okay. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by Putting It Together, one of our member shows at the Alberta Podcast Network. They've just won a Canadian Podcasting Award for Outstanding Music Series. Each episode unpacks a song from the repertoire of musical theater genius Stephen Sondheim. Here's a quick taste of Putting It Together. Hi, my name's Kyle Marshall, and I'm the host of Putting It Together, a show that's part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. It's a show that's going through Stephen Sondheim's entire body of work, show by show, and song by song. Now, if you don't know who Stephen Sondheim is, that's understandable. Not everyone is a super fan like me, but you might know him from this. I feel pretty. Or this. Send in the clouds. Or this. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. I would go so far as to label him the Shakespeare of our time. Each episode, I invite on a guest and we discuss the lyrics of the song, the interpretations it's had, and how it affects us as people. It's more than just a show about the music. So come along, every Wednesday a new episode is released. I can't promise you'll feel pretty afterwards, but you will be entertained. So, um, many things have been canceled. Some things are still happening. Like we, right. we previously mentioned, The Children is still running at the Roxy. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Heisenberg uh, is running, uh, the Shadow Theater show uh, is running at the Varscona Theater until March 29th. Um, but most other things have been either postponed, which is, I think, a little bit more rare in the arts world, mm-hmm. um, because people have uh, contracts and things. You can't really postpone something like the opera. Right. Um, people have to move on to their other things that they've committed to. Um, and then, uh, but there are, are, you know, the smaller venues, I think, actually are still open, uh, in, in some cases, at least. Right. And it's, um, it's hard. And it's going to be a hard time for a lot of industries and people, um, whether or not the COVID would be a mild flu to them or something more serious. Um, I mean, it's generally still pretty serious, um, even if it's quote unquote mild, mm-hmm. um, as the term has been bandied about. But it's, um, you know, like uh, a lot of the entertainment world and a lot of um, the food world, for example, um, don't run on huge margins. No one is making significant profits that they can bank on. Um, you know, it's easy to shake our fists at how, mm-hmm. as of currently recording, the uh, the owners of the Calgary Flames are not paying for any of the part time workers who would have been working at those thing mm-hmm. at those events at the arenas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, certain other sporting groups are, 
Um, uh, Certain individual players have even put up parts of their salaries to say we want to pay the people who are working in the right. arenas. Yeah, which is amazing. Um, that shouldn't be their responsibility. It should be the owners. But um, yeah, there's there's just so many industries that are going to be affected by this. Even if you know, in best case scenarios, in like a month, this is mostly. Uh, blown over or um, the vaccine is fast-tracked or any of these things, even though that is apparently like about a year away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, how do you support in times like these, Fonda? How do you support those industries that you care about? Well, it's interesting because, you know, we're we're coming up to about to mid-March here. So if they, you know, and, and by all accounts, um, projections that we're looking at two to three months of... Um, social distancing and and no mass gatherings and stuff like that. So we're looking at basically canceling everything to the end of the season um, until June, really. So, you know, there have been a lot of suggestions that instead of asking for a refund um, on your tickets or um, paying it forward to another show, that you simply donate the cost of the ticket. Um, And I have faith that in a lot of cases, particularly with the small to mid-sized theaters, I think that will actually happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, that may not be available to a lot of people. It's not just the people in the arts with their shows that are canceled that are going to be struggling during this time. The entire economy and lots of people, um, you know, will be struggling in the same way. So, um, you know, I question if people are going to be able to uh, refund that, you know, 80 to $120 opera ticket um, or, or, or to be... To, to be able to donate that amount, especially right. when you're buying things in twos as well. Right. That's a lot of money, yeah. you know? Yeah, we'll see. I remember um, maybe f- six or seven years ago now, uh, Sled Island, the music festival in Calgary, was canceled on, like, day two because of the flooding that was happening. Seven? Maybe maybe more. God. Um, uh, and I think Sled has continued to survive because they had sort of said, like, look, we get it. We will offer you refunds. We ask that if you can afford it, you maybe don't uh, mm-hmm. take that. And I think about 75% of people didn't. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That they just let there. They understood and were like, cool, we want this to continue existing in our community. We don't want this awful nature thing um, to to end this, this event that we all look forward to all year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, that was an isolated case. This is sort of like, all of those a bunch of those happening all at once so it's it's hard i don't know take care of each other uh check up on your friends and neighbors you know yeah yeah um you know don't don't stockpile unnecessarily like Jesus Christ, yeah. don't be a jerk about it don't be, don't be one of those assholes who like buys a million things and then hawks them on ebay or tries to sell them because like that's that's the worst of people coming through. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like with all the major sporting events and everything being canceled, too, I'm wondering what this may do um, for fringes. Like the yeah. fringes are, you know, they because they're right about at that sort of like the time where they could still foresee going on. But really, what are you, you know, and the fringe is kind of interesting because it's it, it, it's more it's much more of a general audience than theater and theater in particular the impact just with general audiences that a lot of the subscribership are seniors right. um so you know even even to go forward with shows at this point if it, if you are a small venue a lot of people are still even given the side eye you know mm-hmm. to to things that are still happening yeah it's um it's a lot it's a lot to try and juggle like um the economics with staying alive um versus like the responsibility of like 
um, uh, just shutting everything down because we've mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to pull the plug on everything for two months and then everyone come back in two months and we'll just pick up where we left off. Yeah, that's uh, sadly very difficult to do um, or imagine doing uh, without an immense amount of support being given across industries. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems that the grant agencies um, are, of course, understanding. Like yes. they know that yes, we're looking at um, like a basically a recession year in the arts no one's going to make box office for the next like at least two or three months uh never mind you know whatever else and um actors equity and things like that would still even with show cancellation require that people get paid so it really is there's there's no revenue coming in and the money is all still being spent right Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. I, there's no there's no good answer. It's um, a lot. It's a lot. So, yes, you know, donate tickets if you can. Also, um, if you need help, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are looking for gigs right now. Oh, yeah. So maybe consider paying someone for your, your friendly neighborhood stage manager right. for, for, like for child care. Yeah, <laughs> or, or errands or things that you are, well, for whatever reason, unable to do right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and take care of each other and be smart about things and wash your goddamn hands. Yeah. Twenty seconds. Wash your water. hands. And I just touched my face. I realized like twenty seconds right. ago. I was like, oh my god. That's what we do. Yeah, I'm gonna go spray this microphone down now. Okay. okay. Bye everyone. Be safe. Yeah. Take care out there. Bye. I don't get it. Is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blinov. Sit here thinking, I love